0: everyone, thanks for taking time to stop by the campfire. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. We're enjoying one of our favorite times of year here in the U.S., Thanksgiving. And while turkey and stuffing, or dressing, depending on your part of the country, are big, it's really all about being thankful for who and what we have in our lives. When I'm thinking about my thankfuls, my family and my friends come up first. But not far behind is, you guessed it, a summer camp. And when I started thinking about being thankful and summer camp at the same time, my mind often hits on the person who got my bride and then me and started in summer camp, a guy named Dan Zimkel. I first met Dan when interviewing for a director's position at a wonderful boys camp in Western Massachusetts. While that camp didn't work out for us, an opportunity arose uh, at a camp that Dan thought that Kate and I would be great at. Twenty-two summers later, it seems like, Kate and I are still leading summer camps, and when we count our blessings, include Dan for the introduction to what's become our lifelong professional pursuits. So... Who is Dan? Well, after working as a lawyer and a real estate investor for a time, Dan co-founded Camp Group, one of the largest owner and operators of private camps in this country. Dan served as the Camp Group president and CEO from 1997 until 2009. From that point forward, he's become an owner of the Berkshire Soccer Academy, served as a partner in the Camp Professionals, and founded the North American Camp Trust. All throughout that time, though, Dan has been focused on not only doing well, but also doing well by others and giving back. In that pursuit, he spent a lot of time working with our sponsor, Scope, and in fact, has been a board member there for a number of years. And in fact, Dan has now been recently named the 2022 Ben Applebaum Advocate for Youth Honoree by Scope because of all of the work that he's done to help raise awareness and to help get kids out of bad situations and into summer camp. So without further ado, I'm very excited to have my friend, Dan Zinkel, around the campfire. Dan, so happy to have you around the campfire. Great to be here, Cole. Great to see you again. You too. Well, it's funny because, you know, had it not been for you, um, I would not be around a campfire probably. So, you know, you're the one that got my wife involved and then I became her husband and then you guys both involved. So first things first, thanks for getting me involved in, in my career.
1: Well, Cole, as you said, it was, we started off uh, recruiting Kate and I would say that you're the best B-side that I've ever seen. (laughs) You know, you buy the A-side and and you get the B-side for free.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I'll I'll take that compliment. She's absolutely better at this than I am. So, (laughs) Uh, but hey, so you've had... You had a long career in camping, and and you're it's still going. But how did how did camp start for you? Well, my
1: camp involvement, not my career, started. Uh, I went to camp in Maine, Camp Takahoe, for seven years in all boys camp in Maine, and then I worked there for um, for the summer between my senior year of high school and my uh, first year of college, and then the following summer, I actually moved. I got a job at a different camp, Camp Andrew Scoggin in Maine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I work with Peter Hirsch, who's now the owner. And, um, and that was kind of the end of my camp, camping days until I don't know, 15 or 20 years later. Um, when I, uh, I was a lawyer and um, I was practicing law. I really didn't like it. And I was looking around for, I was doing other things, doing some real estate investing and, some entrepreneurial ventures, shopping centers. Anyway, I, um, I ended up realizing that, and I was also practicing law part-time. So I kind of had two jobs and, and practicing law part-time was a, was a fairly heavy responsibility. So finally, <laughs> after about nine years of doing that, I decided that I, I had to leave the law if I ever wanted to succeed at anything else. And so I left the law at the end of 1996 And in the beginning of 1997, my father, who's kind of a serial entrepreneur slash investment banker, came to me. He had an idea to to buy camps and roll them up, Mm -hmm. Uh, in other words, acquire many different camps and put them into one company. And he asked me if I would help him. And since I wasn't involved in anything truly seriously at that time, I
0: said, sure, I'd give it a shot. And that's really how I got involved in, in camps. Yeah, from a professional standpoint. Well, it's amazing. There have been a lot of, of great camp people that have come from Tacaho. I mean, I, it's still, you know, a, a wonderful boys camp, but I know of a lot of, of camp directors and camp owners that, that are alumni there.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, Takahoe is a great – Morty Goldman is, you know, was truly a legend and and ahead of his time. And, uh, yeah, so he, he, gave, he gave rise to a number of uh, – a number of people who, you know, including Jeff Koningsberg who runs Tackahoe, David Miller, who runs Starlight, Nat Greenfield, who had a long run at Robindale. And I'm sure there are many others, but yeah, it's wow. a great camp.
0: That's awesome. So uh, having run Camp Group, which was the, the company that wound up rolling up the different camps, and that's actually where you know we got our start there uh, with you guys, uh, where I was the, the B-side guy. That, that's awesome. Um <laughs> You know, you ran that for a number of years um, and then served on the board for a while. What did something like that teach you kind of about the camp industry, about a summer camp, about people? Like, What, what are some of the takeaway lessons you had while you were involved? Well, there were
1: a number of lessons. You know, we what we did was we bought camps. Um, initially, we bought Mackinac, Winadou, and Danby. And then we, while I was there, we bought about nine more. We started some the The thing that people said in the beginning that was going to be tough was that if you bought somebody's camp and you kept them in kept them on, which is what we did. We kept on the directors mm-hmm. uh, to continue to run the camp, they just were able to monetize their investment. Um, we were told that you know they would lose their motivation and you' got to be careful with people who've sold their business and stay on and what we found was true in the camp business was that, and it may not be true in other businesses, but it was true in the camp business that we um, people don't change. In other words, somebody who was a great camp manager in my experience uh, is going to continue to be a great camp manager, whether or not they own the whole camp or they don't. Mm-hmm. And that was a big lesson for me as applied to camp. And I also found out that, the, the I guess it's the the corollary of that is somebody who is not a great camp manager, and you buy their camp, and they're thinking that you know you're going to inject money and you're going to inject expertise and turn things around. That's not going to happen either. Yeah. Um, you know, you just by selling their camp to a deep-pocketed organization isn't going to change things. So that was that was one one big lesson. Um, Another lesson is that management is everything in mm-hmm. camps. Mm-hmm. And uh, another lesson I think is that, tradi- you know, start. I started in 1998 and the, the fear had been, you know, there's all these great full season camps and what's going to happen to them? They're heading, you know, they're going to go the way of the dinosaur. I remember that, uh um I want, uh Fred Miller came to a, a tri-state conference and said, you know, in in 15 years, none of you are going to be running eight-week camps <laughs> or seven-week camps at the time. And he was wrong. Yep. And um what what I realize is that there is, it's not like it's a growing niche. I don't think you're going to see a lot of new seven-week camps, mm-hmm. but that market is not going away. And even when you and and the other thing is that these camps that were high quality, as long as they're still breathing, they can be resuscitated. Yep. Um, yours is, you know, your experience at Wauquay is, is an experience mm-hmm. and there are dozens of others of camps that were were struggling and somebody else came in and, and within five, six years, the camp is back and booming again. It's really quite incredible. So it's a very resilient industry. You know, it's been around way longer than almost, I mean, GE is now breaking up and, and camps, are, <laughs> camps are still there. So it's it's an industry that's going to stick around, but it's certainly going to evolve too. Why, why do you
0: things. think it is? Why, why is summer camp from your experience sticky?
1: Well, I, I think because the experience is so powerful mm-hmm. that, you know, people remember it. You know, they, they grow up and they still remember their camp experiences like it was yesterday. Not, not saying everybody does. Some people want to forget them, Mm -hmm. but hopefully, you know, I think the vast majority or or a large majority of people who went to camp, it was very formative for them. And so as a result, they want to send their kids and they want to tell people about it. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason. I think the other reason is that, and this is maybe why it's so sticky today is that, um, you know, when I was a kid and maybe when you were a kid, although you're probably a generation younger than me, um, we went out and played, you know, unstructured play and all that, and, you know, running around the neighborhood. And that doesn't really happen anymore. It happens very little, really, even yeah. this summer. And there were a lot of kids who went to the beach and just ran around the whole summer. And and just childhood has changed and it's so structured. And kids don't get to have as much fun. Like, even <clears> though <throat> camp is structured in some ways it's also unstructured in many ways. And, you know, kids nowadays, like if you're in, in youth sports, you don't get to choose your own sides. Like when we were kids, that's part of growing up, right? You,
0: yep. Two
1: people are captains and they pick and then you play. And yeah, I don't know how much of that is going on these days. And so that sort of learning and it is learning happens at camp. So I think the demand is there. And and now we were just talking earlier, the demand Post-pandemic, I think, is is even has ramped up even more because people are realizing how miserable their kids were at home. And I, I, that's a long answer to your question. But
0: no, I, I think it's a, a great answer. I mean, it's funny, I, I've been hammering this quote a lot because I was just so struck by it. But Eric Schmidt, who was the former CEO of Google, said the other day in, in talking about his new book um, with Henry, Henry Kissinger about artificial intelligence, he said, we humans were not designed for this. We were designed for the campfire. And that, I think, is the reaction that families are going through right now, whether they send their child to a one-week camp, a day camp, a three-week camp, a eight-week camp, doesn't matter. They want them around other kids to go play and to connect and to be around the campfire, basically um because i didn't see the value in it
1: so you're saying eric schmidt was talking about we're not designed to be alone. You mean we're, designed we're not designed to, be, to be interact?
0: Yeah, we're not designed That's- to be interacting, you know, virtually or with our right, thumbs right. the entire time. We we need to have people around us. I guess there was a book back in the '90s, uh, "Bowling Alone," uh, where one of the great sociologists was was talking about the suburbanation of of America and how people aren't in bowling leagues, they don't have a local pub, they don't have a local restaurant that they go to, and I think that camp for a lot of children creates that environment where that's my place. That's where I go for a little bit of time and reconnect with all these friends and all these people and and have, you know, these near peers that Jeff uh, Lichen calls them, you know, the the counselors who are not peers, but they're pretty close, you know, and they have that interaction. I think that that is so special and so needed, you know, right now in this day and age. This
1: may be another way of saying the same thing I was saying before, but I think school has gotten less fun. <laughs> um, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's gotten more demanding and competitive, and so it just creates an even bigger contrast with the
0: camp. Yeah, definitely. So during the time that you've been in camping, you know, you're now a camp owner uh, with the Camp Berkshire, which is a, a wonderful uh, sports camp for soccer camp, I should say, for for girls. Um, and you've you've had your hands in lots of different places, but you've for the longest time that I can remember, you've been working with Scope, uh, which is a wonderful organization that sends children uh, to camp that otherwise couldn't afford it. How did you get involved there, and why did you get involved?
1: Well, I got involved because I was the head of camp group, and we had six or seven or eight camps—I don't remember how many—and I got a call from Jay Jacobs, who was the founder of Scope, who said, "Hey." would you like to be on this? I don't even know if it was the dinner committee or the board. It was one or the other. He said, all you have to do is get a table for the dinner. So I said, all right, (laughs) that sounds pretty easy. So I, uh, I got, I I don't know what I did. I think I went to a meeting of either the board or the, um, either went to the meeting of the board or I went to a meeting of the dinner committee and i liked it so i kept doing it and that's that was the that was the start
0: so you must be now in it what 15 years at least it's about i think it's more like 20 wow that was, they, how is, i'm the old
1: guy now they they talk about <laughs> i'm the longest standing member of the dinner committee is what they say even though i've done a lot of other things for scope that's my that's it's many of the young people on that committee know me by that. I'm like the old guy. I'm the old guy in the room, you know. I, have, I have it's just good because, you know, they've they've been to three dinners and I've been to 20. So, you know, they want to try something. We've already tried it now. Not to say that you can't try things twice, which you can. But
0: yeah, yeah, so it's anyway, funny. My, that's that's how I got in, into it. I think my first experience it might have been at the camp group tables. My our first ACA tri-state conference. It was in New York City at that time. And sure. Doug Pierce was the MC and was basically berating people to to give a scholarship. And I think it was our first time there. So I looked at Kate. She's like, "Okay, go ahead." So I raised my hand. Doug said, "I don't know who you are, kid, but thanks so much. Appreciate it." <laughs> and
1: you know what, Call, you and Kate have been consistently great supporters of Scope, and we really
0: appreciate it. So oh, thank hey, you. More, more kids need to go to camp. It's it's a total gift. What, I mean, it, you've been much closer to it than I have what's the feedback you get from the kids that get to go to camp who otherwise couldn't afford it what what do you hear
1: well look you know i i'm not super close to all the kids every year at the dinner there's two or three kids who come and speak mm-hmm. be, you know beautifully about their experiences and and how they're doing and and they're going to they're going to this college or they want to be this or how great it was and their parents come so i only hear good things from those kids but but what i what I truly believe and and I, I it hasn't been sort of proven scientifically proven yet, but I know it in my heart is that camp is the number one way to get kids to move them out of a difficult uh, economic situation and into the mainstream slash middle class whatever you want to call it I, I mm-hmm. think you know I understand that school is a great thing but like you know school isn't that much fun anymore. So <laughs> I think a kid goes to camp and gets exposed to a whole you know a kid who lives in that city they've never seen the types of lakes and mountains and things like that and and I and so I believe that that exposes them not only to the environment that, that that's out there but to the young counselors who are there, like you said, I think almost the near adults mm-hmm. who are most co- generally in college or from overseas, these, these role models that they haven't been exposed to. And it, it teaches them that they can, I, maybe the main thing is that they can be safe. Mm. You know, Not that every kid who mm. lives below the poverty line is, is living in, in danger every second, but, but I think generally camp creates a very safe environment, not only physically safe, and safe from violence, but emotionally safe.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and that just gives these kids the time and the freedom and the perspective to realize that, Hey, there's something else. There's something out there that's worth working for. Mm. You know, there's another world out there. I don't know why it is camp, but I do think that I think that camp is the, is this, <laughs> this is a bit of a big overstatement, but I think camps the solution to poverty. So Huh? You know, that's
0: a big statement, but I do believe it. All right, so let's let's dig into that a little bit because I'm I'm intrigued that it would be the answer to poverty because it opens up people's eyes, it gives people an understanding of what life could how it could be differently, better connections, the selfless service. Like what what is it about camp? Why why would you say that?
1: I think it gives people hope of a better life, and it gives them the It gives them a reason to strive for a better life and not to accept the difficult life that they have as a given. It opens their eyes to possibility. Once your eyes have been opened, it's hard to shut them. And I, I think that's, you know, there's a lot of other pieces to it, but I think that's the biggest one. It's, you know, gets them out of where they are and in the case of people who are in poverty they're in poverty and it gets yep. them out of poverty yeah they're getting all the meal they get all the food that they need they get emotional support they're not being threatened physically or emotionally they're being taught stuff it just exposes them to something to a way of being that they can hang their hats on and and I think many of them do and yeah. now we have a new pro we were actually I was just on a phone call today with uh, a committee of scope. We're taught, talk- we have a college program now. So if you, if you're a scope camper and you go to camp and I don't, I'm not the expert on this, but I believe if you go to camp every year for a certain number of years through scope, mm-hmm. then you automatic and you, and you want to go to college, you automatically get a scholarship from scope wow. right now it's $2,500. And we did, I think we had two kids in, in 19. And then of course, 20, nothing happened maybe we had two, but we're going to have, I think 11 kids this year. And then we're going to have like 30 the next year. So wonderful. It's kind of, it's kind of going on what I just said about these kids and and it's great.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know, you know, look, i we've, I've not ever really been involved with another industry, but I'm always struck at the generosity of camp people. Um, I was with a bunch of camp people playing in a golf tournament and the idea behind the golf tournament was about being with family members, um, but also raising money for different charities. And the charity that we were raising for that year actually helped with incidental costs of colleges for kids that left um, one of the big charter schools in Harlem. And so they were raising money to, you know, a kid had the scholarship to go to college, but they might not have You know, money to go buy a piece of pizza or do their laundry or whatever the little bitty things get on a bus to get back home so it's it's a fun for them and it was all camp people around the table and it was really oh yeah
1: well you know i'm always up for a good golf tournament (laughs) yes you are
0: and so is bruce i know that too he still plays pretty well i hear so what we're getting close to thanksgiving and, you know, this this will drop right around Thanksgiving, either a day before or after. And, and obviously, you know, gratitude is a big thing for, for us at, at our summer camp. What are some of the things that, that you're grateful for about or from summer camp that, that you've received through this, this really incredible journey you've had through camp?
1: Well, as the number one thing that I'm grateful for is a career that I love. Um, I mean, I went from something that I truly, I'm not sure what the right word is. Hate is a, a good word, not a good word, but, you know, <laughs> detest maybe just really yeah. was miserable as a lawyer um, to doing something where I was excited to, to go to work uh, every day. And, you know, so that, that was really for me, the greatest gift. I mean, that changed my life yeah, um, in, so, in so many ways. Uh, I'm grateful for, all the, look, camp is an interesting profession. You know, you generally have pretty nice people in the camp business, just because they're not. You know, they're not sitting behind the computer all day. They they have to, at least they're not during the summer. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you, you meet a lot of very. So I'm grateful for all the nice people that I met. I'm grateful that I've been involved in Scope and been. You know, found a way. I think to, to really help the world through this organization. Um, I, I guess those are, I'm grateful that I went to camp, you know, and that yeah. I had the opportunity to go to camp and that I still get to go back and visit my camp. I'm also grateful that, you know, once every couple of weeks I get to spend a day of my job outside in the great outdoors, just kind of walking around and looking at whatever, whatever's going, you know, whatever we're doing or meeting with people, but it's a different kind of a day than being, uh you know being in the office so yeah I'm grateful that I get to hang out in beautiful uh surroundings those are some of the things
0: yeah it's definitely a a lucky job if if you're if you're built for it and it's something you really want to do because it's it's certainly not an easy job sometimes
1: no and you know my daughter who worked for you this past summer Nikki you know, she, she found out how difficult it is. And I had always said, I I, can, I could never be a camp director. I, I need to sleep too much. You know, I'm, I sleep a lot and, and I'm not good if I haven't slept yep. and camp directors, particularly overnight camp directors. And by the way, day camp directors have a great life too. And, and you know, I, yep. I currently am involved in a day camp with another entity that I'm involved in called North American camp trust. But, um, but overnight camp you know, directors—that's just a brutal job, and you know, you know—and it's—it's not only that it's—it's it's on very little sleep, but it's also very stressful. You know, you have a great amount of responsibility, and uh, even you and I—I I recall have been through some, yep. you know, wake up in the middle of the night kind of incidents and deal with the deal with it that kind of thing. And I, I've been involved in all kinds of stuff like that. So, yeah. but it's—it's it's a great. It's also incredibly rewarding. Uh, And I wouldn't dissuade anybody who has the, you know, the energy level. It's really an energy level, I think, or the ability to delegate really, really, really well. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great thing to
0: do. And, you know, you get to, you impact so many people's lives directly. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is, you know, when you get... You know, eight year olds to 16 year olds to 22 year olds to 25 year olds, and, you know, on up, all in one little community, shake it all up. It, it's incredible. I mean, if you have your eyes open, you learn every which direction. You know, you learn from eight year olds, you learn from the Nikki's and Kells, you learn from your camp mom, Judy, who's been there for 25 years. It's, it's a really cool, it, it's a blessing just being able to do that. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dan, you know, thanks again for, for, coming and sitting and, and talking a little bit more about what you've been doing and and how camp has, you know, blessed you um, and how scope continues just to do such amazing things, you know, for so many kids from, from the Northeast and really now around the country. We've got. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a national organization. That's incredible. Well, good, good on Jay for getting that started and all the camp directors that got that rolling uh, early on. That was really good stuff. So, well, Dan, I appreciate it. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, a wonderful start to to next summer.
1: Well, best to you and Kate and your family. Have a great Thanksgiving, and I'm sure we'll speak soon.
0: Absolutely. I'm so grateful for Dan, for his courage to hire this B-side player, and for the support he continues to offer, not only for us and the camping, but also for the kids, Like Dan, I'm a big believer that summer camp can open up an enormous number of positive avenues and doors in a young person's life. The key is recognizing those opportunities and making the most of them for the kid. The key for us is to help create more situations like that so that more children can go and enjoy camp and enjoy the benefits of it. And look, since it's Thanksgiving, I, I can't help but offer a quote that I think about quite a bit. It's from Marcel Proust. Let us be grateful for the people who make us happy. They are the charming gardeners who make our souls blossom. The work Dan is doing makes me happy. And the work he's doing is making the souls blossom for all these children that get to go to camp. And the work that Scope is doing continues to do this. Dan is a great example of someone who has been successful doing good work who returns that good to those around him. This holiday season... Let's take some time to recognize the charming gardeners in our lives. It'll make their day, and it will make yours as well. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a five-star review on whatever service you're using. The better the reviews, the more ideas will spread. And please share it with a friend. Our Campfire Circle is big enough for everyone. Until we speak again, do good and be good. Thanks again to our friends at SCOPE for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. SCOPE stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. SCOPE campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at supportscope.